I'm so glad to be back because I really feel like I have a word from the Lord this morning. And my desire for you is that you would hear the voice of the Spirit. That we wouldn't just hear, you know, there's always the Word of God. But there's many times we, 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 we know the Word, but many times we just don't allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. And if He does, sometimes we kind of vacillate. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we kind of, well, we kind of question, is this you, God, or is this hidden? Let me tell you something. Anytime there's a challenge for you to go further than you've ever been in God, that's probably God. Are you hearing me? And so this morning, if you're looking for a title, I just want to t- name the title, How to Stand Strong in Difficult Times. How do you know we all go through difficult times? Anybody, you know, I just, uh, we are born for battle. I believe every one of us are born for battle. We're either in a battle. How many of you know that? Some of you might be in a battle right now. Or some of you are fixing, to, have you come out of a battle or you're fixing to face a new battle? How I many you know what I'm talking about? We always seem to be battling things. So what I want to do is I want to go to the book of Revelations in chapter 12, if you want to turn there with me. And then you can also find 2 Kings chapter 6, because I'm going to go there. I'm going to kind of plant myself there in a little bit. But I just want to go to Revelations this morning. And I just want to begin to read this morning the word of God and what it has to say to us. And uh, it just says this. It says, now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. How many of you know the devil is defeated? And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And a great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent who's called the devil or the shining one or Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He developed an eye problem. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Not an eye problem, but a big eye problem. It's I, I, me, I. You remember, because I will ascend to heaven. I will ascend above the heavens. I will ascend above the stars. He just had an eye. How many you know people talk about themselves and they go, I, I. Okay, all right. It says, he was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a, a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation, the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. That means God has given us authority. Look at your neighbor and say, God has given you authority. But look what it says. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. How many of you know he will try to keep you from being used and blessed? How many of you know the devil wants to keep you from being used or blessed? And he'll say things, you're not good enough, you're not spiritual enough, you know what you did last week, you know what you did last night. We, you know, I mean, he's just an accuser of the brethren. It's just, you know, you're just not going to measure up. But I love what it says. This is a verse that's carried me through the times that I've walked through recently and that I'm walking through even now. And it just says this, it says, and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb. Come on, someone else shout for Jesus. The great sacrifice that he made for his blood, that we get a power over the enemy. And he says this, by the word of their testimony. You know, you got a testimony. You know what a testimony is? It means you've walked through a test and you got a story to tell about the test you walked through. That's what a testimony is. And he says, then he just goes on this and he says this. He says, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is sharp. If you looked at it in Cajun French, we would say this, the devil is fâché. He's mad. He's madder in the heart. How many of you ever played with a hornet's nest or a wasp's nest 
or beingness. I mean, stupid enough to do that, all right? I can just say I have. And let me tell you something. Sometimes when you get stung, it hurts like heck. But let me just say this. The enemy has come down. But the Bible says this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 10, it says, For we are not ignorant of his devices. That means, you know what, when you're going through something or you're facing something, don't be ignorant. It may be the devil. Hello, hello, come on. I'm not going around telling you to look behind your shoulder everywhere you go and blame the devil for this and blame the devil for that. But I believe this. The day you give your heart to God is the day you become a marked man or a marked woman. And see, sin... You know what sin is? Sin is just a me first attitude. And it's kind of like being in a car or truck and you just put it in neutral. How many of you know you can't go anywhere in neutral? You can grab the engine. But you're just not going anywhere. How many of you talking about? And I know a lot of people like that. They just go into neutral. You know, they just, they just go, well, I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm pressing the gas. I'm trying to pray. I'm doing all these things. That God, you're doing all the stuff. Come on, say stuff. How know we'd like to do stuff? You know, doing all this stuff. But you know what? I believe this. You, people said, and then what happens is you, get, you stay in neutral and, you, and this is what people say. I just need a break. I just need a break. No, you know what you need to do? You need to put the darn gear and drive. You ever do that? Rev it up and all of a sudden you knock it and drive. How many ever accidentally did something and ran into something? Okay, we're, now I'm not going to tell any stories in my family about my wife or anything. But anyway, a house we used to live in. But anyway, it's just what happens is sometimes, you know, we, 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 we know that God's telling us to do something, but we don't. Here's the dilemma. The enemy, you know, is this the enemy or is this the Lord? How many ever had that dilemma? Come on. Is this the Lord trying to teach me something or is this the enemy trying to break me down? How many of you ever had those questions? No one. Okay. How many of you ever had those questions? Let me just tell you how to over, overcome that. Here's the dilemma. The way out is the same for both. Here it is. Write it down. Trust God. Trust God. See, First Peter says this. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. You know, trials show you stuff. He says, it's, it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through, tri- through many trials, it doesn't just say one or two, many. How I many you know we've gone through many things? Many of us have. He says, it brings you much praise and glory and honor on the day when the Lord Christ, when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You know, we know all the things work, we heard this, all things work together. For good, for those that trust him. Even if we don't see something happen this week or this month or in our lifetime, we have to, we have to be assured that God's going to allow something good to come out of whatever we face. How many believe that? And it's like what God is trying to do is like the goldsmith. He's putting our lives in the fire. And when we go through fire, you know, all those impurities come out, you know. And it, it's like when you go through something very difficult, all of a sudden, all those impurities, all that junk. How many of you have ever been under pressure? And all of a sudden, the pressure just begins to make you just kind of like, how many of you ever just lost your, you man, you've been praising the Lord all day. And then all, the next day, you're so mad, you cuss. You're just going like, you know, I, but, oh, I was just over here. And now I'm like over here. I'm, I'm going to work this thing out right here. Anyway. 
And what happens is this, is it, you know, I believe this, is it, you know, God is trying to make us a reflection of who he is. Don't you believe that? Just like the goldsmith. The only way that the goldsmith knows that the gold is ready when he looks in the gold pot and he sees a reflection of himself. And my question is, are you reflecting God? Even in hard times, even in difficult moments, he just wants us to be a reflection. See, when you're going through difficulty, there's not, there's not a lot you can do other than wait for the master goldsmith to finish the process. Sometimes God is doing the process. You know, and I've learned, I've learned, I've learned, I've had to learn when I, when I've gone through chemo and all the things, I have my last treatment Monday, tomorrow, praise God, amen. But the thing is, when you're going through difficulty, here's the thing you got to learn. That's what I've learned being in doctor's offices, patience. My wife, you know, she used to go, well, how long did you have to, I had to wait an hour and a half to get to the doctor, an hour and a half. Well, I would have walked out and said, when do you want me back? And I've had to learn a lot of patience. I don't like to be patient. Can I just be honest with you? I'm early. My dad said, if you're on time, you're late. You know, I'm always 10, 15 minutes. I'll be calling Pastor Josh, Pastor Zach. Where are you at? Well, it's not 9 o'clock yet. Well, it's, it's, it's 10 minutes till. Where are you at? You know, I'm just... I'm like that. I'm just, I'm just, but I've had to learn patience and it turns and you know what patience does? It works and then you begin to get experience and experience works hope in the absolute expectation of something good that can happen. Amen. You see, because when you're going through things, you're going, man, I just hope. I mean, look, listen to me. I'm, I'm living beyond hope. I'm trying to go, God, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing you to do something incredible. You see, I believe this, that Hebrews, the thing I love about Hebrews 11 is just a whole list of faith people. It lists, you know, that God accepted in faith Abel's offering, that Noah built a boat in faith when there had never been rain before. Okay, he built the boat and warned the people in faith. He did that. Abraham believed for a child, a son, Sarah, when she was 90 years old. Can you imagine Momo? 90 years old? Imagine if that was in Lake Arthur. Have you heard about Mama Smith? What happened? Oh, Papa knocked her up. What you mean knocked her up? She's 90. That's impossible. No, she got a baby coming. She's pregnant. She thought it was a tumor. It's pregnant. Can you imagine a 90-year-old? You know, what would the talk be like? They've been waiting all their lives. Joni, it's so good to see you. She, she just had surgery last week, and she's in church this morning, and it, she had a tumor in her, in her stomach area, and it was how many pounds? How many? Five pounds. I saw the picture of that devil thing. That's a, I mean, I thought, man, that thing could be in Genesis Book of World Records, man. I mean, it was just big. And but it's so good to see you this morning. And see... It's like you and I are going to have this. Is, we're going to have to have this. Is what we've got to have faith. There are some of you who don't need the enemy to deceive you. You do a good job by yourself. Tell me what I'm talking about. 
And see, I love what, you know, it, it's kind of like this. It's like that boy that went and built a treehouse. And he said, man, you know, I love my treehouse. And then what he did, he built this treehouse. And guess what he did? He decided, I'll start a fire in my treehouse. I always wanted to have a fire in my treehouse. So guess what happened? He burnt the treehouse and he burnt himself and died. He started his own fire. And I know that many of us started our own fires. It's, it's kind of like this. James says this in 3.5. 3, says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire in other words how many you know the bible says life and death are in this little thing right here how many of you this thing got you in trouble how many of you said things you wish you could just kind of come on i love what it says it says this tongue loves to make grand speeches you talk about all the stuff you're going to do but you never do anything. But there's some people, they're so proud, they set themselves on fire. And they burn themselves by their own fire, their own tongue. You can't put a bridle on it. But see, it's like this. In the battle, you and I find out who we really are. In a storm, we find out who we really are. Every, everybody can serve God when it's nice. You don't feel any demonic attacks in church, maybe. You feel comfortable. Everything's, you know, you're just going, man, this is great, pretty secure. Everyone can serve God when it's sunny and great. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you get in an airplane, baby, and they say the engine went out and there's a fire in the other one. I Look, I've been on planes where they lost altitude, like just like lost 2,000 feet. Just went, and people going, and they're saying, Adjectives that I cannot say in church. They're going, oh, blink, 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 blink. You heard about Justin Bieber the other day? I don't even care if I say his name right. No, he was in a plane in first class. and He was using all these four-letter words and sharing all this. And a mama stopped and he was real loud. And she said, excuse me. She said, I don't care who you are. But I want you to stop talking like that because my kids are around. And I've had more respect for you. But guess what? I've just lost all respect for you. He said, shut up and quit using those, that language. Come on, mama. And he apologized. He did say he apologized. But see, the thing is, everyone, see, it's like that. You know, mammy, it's all of a sudden you, you get in that plane and everything's shaking. <laughs> My stepfather has private airplanes that he has a, a helicopter and a plane company. And we used to fly things. And we used to fly in these little small planes. And I remember one storm. I mean, bro, it was bad. My mom was so mad that the pilot would brought us through this weather. She said, bring it down, Jack. I mean, and we were like, oh. And, you know, it was one of those little planes where if you had to go pee-pee, you had to use a milk jug in the back of the plane. Okay, well, that was our bathroom. I mean, we filled that jug up. I'm just telling you. But see, these are things that I want you to see. See, when you, if you're going to stand strong in a difficult time, let me tell you, there's four things you need to watch out for. Okay? I'm going to talk to you about things, and I'm going to give you three solutions. Is that all right? Four things to watch out for. So I want you to turn with me. I'm going to read a story. It's a great story. It's actually a funny story in the Old Testament, and it's in 2 Kings. And I love this story because it really talks to, about who we really are. And it's got, how many you know God loves funny, fun, how many believe God has a sense of humor? Just look around this place. God's got a sense of humor. And I want you to turn me 2 Kings 
chapter 6, and sorry, in verse 24. If you don't know what page, it's on page 639 in my Bible. But anyway, and it says, Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad from Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for, listen to this, 80 pieces of silver. Okay? And a cup of dove's dung, if you don't know what dung is, it's what the doves leave behind, sold for five pieces of silver. How many know that's a bad famine? Okay? One day as the king was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called him and says, Please help me, Lord, my Lord, the king. He answered, if the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food nor from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is your matter? She replied, this woman said to me, come, come on, let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son so that we can eat him. But she is hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And the king walked along the wall, and the people could see that he was wearing a burlap under his robe. In other words, he's wearing sackcloth and ashes. And so, and, and next to his skin, may God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elijah's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elijah was sitting in his house with a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrived, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps behind him. While Elisha was still saying this, a messenger arrived. And the king said, all this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elijah replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will, be, will cost only one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That can't happen, even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elijah replied, You shall see it happen with your eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Okay, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to come back to this. How many like, so here it is. Here's four responses you've got to watch for. The first response is willing to eat anything. You know, the, it, it, it says sometime later, it says when they, here you imagine a donkey head in a famine. The donkey's head is so popular and they're going to sell it for 80 pieces of silver. I mean, you've got to be desperate. I remember being in, in Honduras one time. We went to this house and they were hosting it. And I had this one guy, he's kind of crazy guy that I discipled. His name's Chance McCartney. And Chance, he'd, go, he'd always call me, hey, Bubs, let's go over here, Bubs. Let's go over there, this Bubs. And so we'd go, hey, Bubs, I'm at the... And he could speak Spanish and Portuguese, okay? Just, uh, and, and, and we were there, and he was a, actually he was a missionary right there in Honduras. And we went to this house, and they had a goat head, okay? And we were eating... They had, and when I got there, they had a little kid sitting on the floor in a dirt floor, and he's chawing on a goat head. You, he's holding the skull. You know what I'm saying? Just like bowling the head, all right? Well, Chance is sitting there, and he's sitting there with these people, and, they're, you know, like, I, I've eaten a lot of things in my life. 
but I ain't no, eating no goat head. All right, you hear me? And all of a sudden he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And Chance takes an eyeball out of the goat. And when he does that, he's going, and, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful of the people. You go, oh, yeah, I need that. You know, and he goes, and about after six bites, he's sitting there at the table. He's like sitting down like this. And all of a sudden he's going, and I'm going, God bless you, you stupid fool, that you ope that eyeball. I mean, and it's like, so I can imagine. Can you imagine someone sitting there, paid a fortune for a donkey head, and they're chomping on it, and people are fighting over it? How desperate are you? But I know a lot of people that eat a lot of strange things that say it's God, and it's not even God. Hello. They'll pay for their skin to be tucked and tucked and cut. You know what I'm saying? So they can look a certain way. Suave and debonair. They'll do things. They'll say things. They'll hang out with people that will lead you somewhere where you don't need to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then they were selling dove dung. You know what that is? Let me just say, dove dung represents what is left when the dove is gone. Once, and I see a lot of people, once there was a move of the spirit in their life, but now all they're doing is they're living on the dove's dung that was left over. Hello, some of you will get that later. You know, you call it God, but it's just you're living off the past. You're living off of stuff that the dove left behind. It's amazing when people get hungry what they eat. The prodigal son, remember he was fighting in the, I mean, in the pigs, in in the pig pen. Fighting over corn. Cobbles of corn over the pig with the pigs. And that's when he remembered, man, if I was just back at my dad's house sitting at his table, man, what, what they must be eating. Here's the first thing. When you go through a tough time, watch what you allow to come into you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What you eat. I'm not talking about, you know, don't eat jambalaya, don't eat so I'm not talking like diet. I'm talking about spiritually what you allow to feed yourself on. The second thing you have to watch, watch for many times in, in the Bible says people destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Spiritually in our country, we, we have a lot of spiritual activity, but we're very Bible illiterate. I really believe that still. The second thing is they turned on each other. You know, where the Bible says that, you know, where the lady, they're fighting over the kids saying, you know, you cook your son today and I'll cook my son tomorrow. And but one lady backed out. You, you imagine that. And it's like, you know, and it's like, you know, it didn't happen. So for the Bible says in Galatians, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the next verse, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. How many you know people that as soon as a storm comes, people turn on each other? A tough time. If it gets rough financially in your home, do you turn on each other? If it gets rough in a situation or a circumstance or pressure, outside pressures begin to do things in your family or the job that's in, you don't know if it's going to last or you don't know what's going to happen in your financial future and you just turn on each other. Husbands and wives, when they, they need each other, instead of helping one another, encouraging one another, pouring courage into each other, they turn on each other. And they start saying things about, you know, I never like, you know, when we first got married, you were... A hunk, but now you're just a big old fat chunk. That's all you are. Well, you know, 
You was as big as a house when we got married. Your mama, I mean, you look like you, you got the, the whatever hips. You know, you got this, you got that, you got, you know. I mean, we turn on each other. If you would have done that, what I told you to do, well, I was trying to do my best. How many you talking about? Instead of helping one another, we turn on each other. And you've got to watch that. The Bible's in the, 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 you know, Jesus said any, listen to this, any kingdom divided amongst itself cannot stand. That's why we have to be a united force. We have to work together. I'm not speaking to anybody here this morning. We have to be united. Look, when we walk through something, look at me. Every one of you in this room, can I just prophesy to you? This year you will face something difficult. Well, you're not even a prophet. I know that. Exactly. But I'm trying to help you get some profit. And like, you know, I may be going to face something sooner or later. How do you know that you may face a big trial sooner or later? Or right now you're in the middle of a trial. And you're going, what do I do? How do I face this? You know, there's been times when I've been in, in my chemo treatments. And there's people there that just get real negative. And, wow, I'm just going to die. I'm like, me and one, one my lady, she was on her last treatment, on my second to last one. She said, well, I ain't, gonna, I ain't listening to you. I ain't going to die. And I looked at her. I was on my way to the bathroom and said, me neither, Shay. It's just, it's just, you know what? When you have no, look, when, you, when your gauge isn't set and your navigation system's not set on Jesus, you can go down the wrong street. Look, I just got back from vacation. The one thing that I constantly, my wife and I have to work out together is directions. How many of you know men know where they're going? No matter if you get lost, they know where they're going. And women, they've done, you studied the map. They tell you if you take a right, it's right there. No, no, it's right here. Right, right. Okay. We just know where we're going. No, we don't. That's why God says God has given you a helpmate. That's God's kind way of serve telling you, you need help, man. See, a lot of people, when they get hurt and they go through a hard time, listen to me. They like to blame God. Hello? Blame the church or even blame the preacher. You know? Remember, the king heard this and he, he... and it was a, he, was, he had a sign of sorrow. He, he was like, man, he heard this and he tore his clothes. That was a sign of sorrow, but the condition, but he wasn't repentant. He saw what he'd done, what was happening, but he wasn't willing to change his heart. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we can go through things instead of allowing God to do what he wants to get, do inside of us. We just harden ourselves. We have all the signs. We're broken. We're, we're hurting. We can cry. We can do all those things, but we don't change. Hello. And that's all God's saying. Look, I'm going to bring you to a place. A trial might be a place where you have to encounter something in your life. It may be sin. It may be a habit. It may be something you've done. And God's trying to help you change that. Hello. And so he allows that trial to come in your life so you can take a different route to get to the place God always intended you to be. Because see, here, here's the thing about the devil. Remember, in, in, when I read Revelations, he's a deceiver. So what he will do is, how many of you know God is unlimited in what he can do? So what he will do is this. You can't, you won't, and no way. 
Have you ever heard those? No way. Not you. We know what you did. Hey, yeah, we know what you did, but I know what Jesus did for me. Come on. That's where it talks about the blood of the Lamb. That's my salvation. You know, on May 15th, 1980, when the devil was standing there accusing me, pulling out the semi-truck, bring the files on Bubba. And everything he accused me of was true. Hello? But the thing I like is when my defense attorney walks in with his file. Here you go, Your Honor. Oh. Forgiven. We don't have records. All things are possible to him who believes. What do you believe in God for? Is it possible? See, the devil, ah, it's not possible with you. possible with them. Joel Osteen. Don't you think Joel Osteen, even as nice he is, doesn't go through a trial or two? See, the difference between me and him, I'm not as nice as Joel Osteen. He gets up there, hey, me, Victoria, just want to say welcome. God bless you. We're so happy that you're with us. See, if it was me and Miss Tracy, we'd go, hi, I'm Pastor Bob McKinnon. We're going to cast the devil out of you. <laughs> we want you to hear the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about Jesus, and we're not afraid to use his name. And I'm not afraid to talk about sin. God bless you. Nothing against him. He's a great man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm just different. Okay? And you're probably different than me. And see, the thing is, is we like to blame. See, the king's response was Elijah. He said, that preacher, the church has done this to me. Or the blame, they, we blame God in the church when, when all else fails. The church has hurt me. Let's think about it. Hundreds of people have hurt you. How many, let me, let's do a test. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody? Somebody said, okay, okay. Can I just tell you that many times we're the main cause of most of our own misery? What do you mean, Pastor Baba? No one has failed you more than you have. No one has hurt you is more than you have. Hello? Am I, am I speaking to anybody? Don't get mad at people who love you the most and are willing to confront you. Turn around and do something about it. See, Elisha had a word from the Lord for the city. Elisha knew by the word of knowledge that his neck was going to be cut off. He was going to get cut. You know, and what one man was trusting God for a city. He could have lived in any place, but he chose to go right into the famine to make a stand. And sometimes God will put you in a famine situation for you to make a stand. And it's not going to be about being easy or good. But can I tell you something? This is not a sad story because it ends well. Okay? How many of you talk about? We're going we're to find the ending here. I mean, how many of you are with me in this story? You know, you've got to trust God for a miracle. Say to me, trust God for a miracle. How many of you need a miracle right now in a circumstance you're walking through? Come on. How many of you need one? Come on. Lift your hand. That represents, you know what, God? I'm a candidate for a miracle. Because nothing is impossible with God. God's no respecter of persons. Hello? 
That means even though accusers say, you ain't getting your miracle, not you. Listen, I had an example. My grandmother could believe if a refrigerator died, she could kick it and call it out in Jesus' name and it would run again. And I saw her do it. My grandpa was like, he was cheapskate. And she knew my, my grandpa, I mean, the freezer was slowly dying. There was no ice left. You know what I'm saying? And then one day, I remember she was so mad. She was like my second mom. She's so mad. She walks up there. She looks at that refrigerator, double-door freezer refrigerator. And she looked at that thing. And she says, in Jesus' name, work like you should. And it just stood there. Dying. And you know what she did? She applied faith to it. She kicked it. Boom, work in Jesus' name. Bible says sometimes we have to take things by force. You're a warrior. What are you warring against? You got an advocate. His name is Jesus to help you in battle. To face whatever you face. To walk through in victory. Not in defeat. Not in despair. Not in hopelessness. But in hope with expectation. Are y'all with me this morning? Come on, I need someone to shout something somewhere around here. Elijah had a revelation. When you have a word from God, you can stand. You see, my job as a pastor to get you into the word of God so you can, you can have something to stand on. And not only you have something to stand on the word, but you can hear the voice of God to help you walk through the winds of adversity. Hello, you stand there, you're hearing God's voice, even though these accusations are coming. No, God told me. God told me that the beginning when I faced this, the Lord told me this. He said, the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And you know what? Two weeks ago, I was in my office and God began to speak to me by his Holy Spirit. And I began to pray. And I was in my office, and I just got on my knees, and the Lord just spoke me, your joy is here, son. Don't be afraid. He said, you're going to be happier than you've ever been. You've got more fun than you've ever, gonna be, be ever been. You're going to be more funny than you've ever been. So I don't know what that means, but anyway. <laughs> but I just, he says, your joy has come. And it's like I have to go, yes, my joy has come. It's here. I have to receive what God says. Hello. Are you receiving what God says? Here's the last one. Unbelief. Here's that. Here's in, in, in chapter seven, Elijah replied, listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of. Remember, a donkey's head was 80, 80 pieces. Pigs poop. I mean, not pig. Duck. Thank you. Thank you for preaching with me. That means some of you paying attention. Doves poo-poo. What's five pieces of silver? How do you cook that? You put it in casing? You put a little Cajun chef Tabasco on it, let it marinate? I don't know what you do with that stuff, but I don't want to eat it. Are you hearing me? And there's a lot of people trying to make something that is poo-poo, tastes like... It's the real thing. Oh, it's the real thing, baby. But it ain't what you need. Hello. Y'all still love me? You see, unbelief sounds so responsible, doesn't it? So many times that anyone can predict disaster. You know that? 
Just because you have religion doesn't make you mean you, you got faith. Listen, I don't want anybody coming in my hospital bed or coming in my chemo treatments and just looking at me and goes, you know, Pastor Bubba, you're going to die. We, we pray, we hope you can make it. Listen, get out of my room. Leave me alone. Get behind me, devil. I mean, just like, I don't need to hear you. And I don't put people like that in my life. Are you hearing me? And when they do say things out of ignorance sometimes, when they walk away, I just have to say, I believe in abundant life. And I will not receive death, but I'm living in the life of God and his abundance for my life. Are you hearing me? I just shut the door. You know, some of you have allowed the devil to put his finger in your mouth and rub on you, massage you and your little tongue and makes you say things and do things. And then he puts two fingers and by the end of the day, by the end of the month, he's got a whole hand in, in your mouth. And what you need is spiritual teeth. You need to bite that devil's hand right off. Thank you for that. Because some of you just need to get teeth in God. Some of you just uh, massage me a little more. Here's a solution. Here, here's, here's, here's a funny thing. Here's, this is the, the cap. Let me just wrap it up right here. All right, y'all, y'all ready for me to wrap it up? No. How many of you give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. 30. I got 30 minutes saved up. Anyway, see, that's where all the new people hadn't heard me preach. And so, verse 3 in chapter 7. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. You know, lepers couldn't go in. They weren't invited, okay? Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp. And the Armenians, he says, but when they heard, listen, but when they, they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. Here are these four lepers. Now, if you know anything about lepers, they would wear bells on their clothes. And when they would come to a city, they'd have to say, leper, lepers are here. So you'd hear them, you know, kind of like a cowbell, goat bell, whatever. I mean, you just... You need to be alarmed because leprosy is a gross disease. It's, it eats your skin. They had the last leper colony in the United States in Louisiana that closed, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. But it was just a leper colony. And here they are. They're, they're just walking and they come to the edge of this camp where all these guys are that are, that are coming to take the city. And there's no one there. For the Lord calls the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to, to attack us. They cried to one another, so they panicked. They ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else. They fled for their lives. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. You imagine they come to this camp, this great army, and there's no one left. The fires are going. They walk into the tents and they're like, they're thinking, they're like, oh my God. So they go from one tent to another tent. How many of you ever been really hungry? 
Man, they're just enjoying themselves. Wine, you know, uh, chicken fricassee, you know, uh, jambalaya. Come on, corn makshu. Come on, I'm just, they're going for it. Come on. Hoghead cheese. Come on, come on. Blue bell, that's right. Syrian bell, anyway. And so what happens is, they think, well, God brings these sounds and it deceives the army. And they think they hear all this army coming at them. And I love what it says. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent and another, eating and drinking wine. They carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this is what it said. This is fun. This is not right. This is a good, this is a day of good news. And we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let us go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city, told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Armenian army camp, and they said no one was there. The horses and the donkeys were, um, the, key, uh, the keys were, were fettered, and the tents were all in order. But there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace, and they started fighting. In the palace. Here's my solution. Here they are. You married the lepers. This is what they said. Why do we just sit here and die? You know, if you listen to the enemy and you just sit there, he'll write death all over your life. Death of a dream. Death of a vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Death that anything could change in your marriage. Death that your children will never serve God. Death that, you know, that, that your job, you'll never get a promotion. You'll never make more money. You'll never go ahead. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you listen to the news all the time and believe everything, America's going down the dove dung chute. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There ain't no hope. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Am I all with me? But see, here's, here's three things. I want. Dining, listen, what you need to be doing, you need to be dining rather than doubting. What do you mean, Pastor Brad? Let us not be there. Let us not be those who see what the word says but refuse to believe it. Who, who, who heard the word but don't practice it. Who know the principles of the word but don't apply them. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. So let's rather dine. Then die. You know what? Feast on the Lord. You know how you do that? You open this up. I have a friend. Her name's Julie Miller. She's a, she's a big-time singer, entertainer. She does a lot of country and western music and stuff like that. Her husband, buddy, they produce things and all this stuff. Just great people. I know them. And, and I remember when she got saved that she had three legs on her couch but the fourth leg was held up by her Bible. So the couch wouldn't. And someone came and told her, and she pulled out her Bible, and she says, oh, this? Because, see, the people use the Bible for so many different things, to get things. Hello. I'm not saying if you name it and claim it or blab it and grab it. Those things, I mean, in faith, you can trust God to bring provision for what you need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because Bible, the Bible says he's no respecter. Doesn't matter what side of the bayou or what side of the tracks you were born on or what people said about your life or who hurt you. I'd rather be dining with God than just sitting there and doubting that God can ever be with me. Because see, the accuser of their brethren will bring doubt in your heart. 
that God can do something. But God would say, come on, come, come on, pull up a chair and come sit at the table of the Lord. Let me just love on you. The second thing that I see in these lepers, you know, the thing is about the lepers, you know, (laughs) maybe, you know, they're stepping out rather than sitting back. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like a leper. Famished, you've been rejected, relegated to sitting outside the city, barely surviving on crumbs of hope. Hey, what I'm talking about? Our culture says, take it easy, kick back. I believe the word says, take a chance, step out. See, faith is never learned in comfort. Can I just say that again? Faith is never learned in comfort. We learn faith when we are pressed when we are hurting, when we're starving. Faith honors God, listen to me, and God honors faith. Here's the last thing. Hey, they, they go to the tents and, man, we, this, man, this is great, but I'm sure not feeling good about us just doing it and keeping it to ourselves. They say, let's go share rather than gorge by ourselves. I know some people, if they get blessed, they keep it to themselves. Come on. They don't share. They don't help. You see, may the Lord speak to us that we come to our senses as did the leper and say, this is not good. This is not good. Listen, if you're a professional hoarder, have you ever seen those shows, The Hoarders? That's how some people are with their walk with God. They just keep all the past stuff. They don't share it with anybody. You can't even walk around. I mean, I don't like even watch those things. They're depressing. I mean, they're cleaning out the house and the people go, if they were cleaning out my house, my wife would go, come on, go, take it, do it, clean it. But they just want to hold on to stuff. Most of it's just junk. You ever see that? Newspapers from 1945 that a cat died under or something. I need to take my eyes off myself. Quit worrying about feeding myself and reach out to those who are dying. The first two letters of the gospel are this. G-O, go. Remember what they said? We can't sit here and feast just for ourselves. We got to go back to the city and let them know. Listen. As far as this church, we are not a four-wall church. We want our church to always be out of the four walls. And representing the kingdom of God. Where If it's in schools, if it's in neighborhoods, what we've done this summer, we're going to do again during the fall. We've got things planned. You know, and just think, you just don't know the people that I've met because of outreaches and things that we've done in the city, how it's affected people. They might not come to this church, but it's affected their lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so the last thing is, just my thing is, I just, I just want us to be faith people. You know, I want us to be able to go in the hospital room and say, man, God's going to get you out of this situation. The Lord gave me a word for Joni when she found out she had a tumor. She was at our house. She drops her boys off at youth group and she comes hang out with us, you know. And she was hanging out with us one night and 
And she told us what happened. And I just looked at her and Tracy and I prayed. And the Lord gave me a word. I said, Joni, this isn't unto death. This is to save you. This is to save you. And can I just say something? She's sitting here today. Not because she's just had all this great confidence. You know, oh, yeah. And that's what we think sometimes. Don't you think when Noah was building that boat for, for 400 years? Come on. How long, how, how long have you been at a job? Imagine 400 years picking up the same darn hammer, having your sons gripe and moan about having to cut wood down for 400 years, having to collect animals that stink and leave stuff behind. And his wife and everybody, they're, they're like, oh, we don't want to. You sure this is God? Shut up and get the board. I'm sure he's frustrated. He didn't say all that, but I'm sure he was. Even when God speaks to you and you, he calls you to do something, listen, there's going to be moments where you just don't like what you got to face. How many got a job? There's sometimes they give you the job you, everybody doesn't want, but you get it. You know what I'm talking about? You know why? Because God's trying to build character, his character. He's wanting to have a reflect that you reflect him and you don't reflect yourself. Amen. My greatest desire for every one of you this morning is that you are a reflection of God's heart and his love and his desire. See, this morning, maybe you're in a place where you're just going through a hard time, difficulty. And you've just walked that. You've tried to blame it on things and other people. You've tried to, you know... You have unbelief. You will need anything. <laughs> Maybe you've turned on each other as a couple. God's saying this, man. He says, stop that. Just come to me. Come sit under my table. Put your feet under my table. And let's, let's feast. Let's break bread together. Let's drink together see what I can do. See, this morning, if you're at that place and you're just living in... This is what the devil will do. He'll make you stay in shame. He'll try to blame you for everything. He plays the blame game. Ah, it's because of you. And then you, he, after you believe the blame, he puts the shame on you. Well, I can't do this. God would not want to help me can I just say something this morning? The only way you overcome is you receive the blood of the Lamb. And that God will give you a word for your testimony. That you face the trial, you face the test, but because of Him, you walked out of it. And you don't count your life as dear unto yourself. But do you know that your life is in the hands of God?